everyone, and welcome to our third recording of Jewish Conversations Black History Month block, which was postponed due to technical issues that have compounded us for the longest time. It's just been a chaotic two weeks, but we're finally there, everyone. So, um, in today's episode, I have a wonderful friend of mine who I've known for quite a few years. I say that she's a TechFest mom because she basically looks after us during TechFest so that we don't die. I have Rania here with me, to those who know Rania. Hello. Hello, everyone. How are we all? Uh, I'd say we're doing well, but... <laughs> <laughs> you never know what to say there because it's just the two of us like ah. that's true yeah that's, that's all yeah i just spoke like i was talking to a big old crowd and it's just the two of us and it's just two of us. yes so why don't you explain how we know each other to everyone else okay so um basically we met at tech fest many moons well no 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 i lie um we met way before well not way before TechFest, but um yeah we met through simon garrard mr TechFest man himself and um yeah basically talked to you into coming to TechFest with us and then um from that point onwards uh it's just been a magical friendship ever since it truly <laughs> has it it truly has been quite the magical friendship <laughs> <laughs> to to anyone who thinks that this episode sounds a bit loopy it's because we've dealt with so much technical issues oh, oh, we've yes. just slowly lost it <laughs> over the, the day in addition, yeah in addition to post-work tiredness as well that is what i mean it's almost friday because mm. usually we record on like earlier but we have to do this on thursday because it's literally been that kind of week <laughs> <laughs> okay so um Usually, uh, before we get started, I ask my guest what song or album they've been listening to recently. So, I give it down to you. Okay. Um, wow, I've been in a few ones lately. Actually, um, the other day, I decided to treat myself and have like a nice, lovely, relaxing bath. Um, and while I was in the bath, I decided to... Um, yeah, just go a bit old school, go a bit nostalgic, um, stick on a bit of a perfect circle, the 13th Step album, you know, proper like old school. And then, you know, Spotify does what Spotify does. And, you know, it's, you know, just kind of goes on to, you know, the album playlist and just plays all the recommended tracks. And then, you know, it was playing, you know, newer stuff like Seven, as well as kind of like, you know, stuff like Chevelle and... Alice in Chains and Tool and it was like you know just kind of like wow oh my god like you know you'd hear like the odd seven song and you'd be like oh yeah cool yeah this is great yeah yeah and then like you'll hear something like I don't know like a Tool song or a Chevelle song or something like that and you'd be like whoop blast from the past much okay cool <laughs> but um yeah so that was that was another that was one of the ones that i've been listening to also in addition to that um there was a playlist that i made for a friend of mine and um <clears throat> so i've been listening to that whenever i do my workout sessions which I've kind of neglected for a very long time and it shows and i don't like it so <laughs> Um, yeah, starting to work out again, and that is my playlist. That is really good. 
Mm-hmm. I, so on that playlist, it's like, uh, again, another big old mixed bag. It's got like a lot of techie stuff, but then it's also got a lot of kind of grunge and, you know, stoner rock and that kind of thing. So that's, you know, pretty cool. Nice. You know, uh, with me, I started working out again um, on Tuesday uh, after just so many months of not working out. And I'm still in pain, just laughing. My abs feel the pain. It is just Mm -hmm. so not good. Because I, I, so I ended up um, basically with Bundy. We started, well, working on this diet and also just working out. And I have a lot of stuff in my house for me to work out with. I have two 10 kg barbells um mm. a 10 kg <clears throat> vest weighted oh, vest, wow okay uh an ab wheel uh pull-up bar wow. um resistance but yeah no i have like where do you have the space <laughs> what <laughs> it, it, it's all nestled around my house basically <laughs> oh. yeah. wow okay <laughs> yeah so um yeah no it, it is possible to i also have some skipping ropes somewhere here oh uh, yay skipping ropes Skipping rope is the best, but yeah. Um, going back to music, I started um getting a song stuck in my head called Revofev, uh, by Kit Cudi, and okay. uh, it got in my head because I'd listened to it ages ago, and it came up again when I was watching this brilliant America, uh, this brilliant uh, Netflix documentary called um Fourteen the the Fight for America No Amend. The fight mm-hmm. for America, and it's basically talking about the Fourteenth Amendment, which basically oh, wow. explains what citizenship is uh, for mm-hmm. Americans. Because, uh, as you can guess, when they ended up with giving the Emancipation Proclamation and getting the black mm-hmm. people free from being slaves, they were still not really counted as citizens because that is a thing that happens. And so, yeah, it basically. Um, it's quite a good song, and the the documentary itself it covers a lot of things. So, uh, with me, the song that I've had in my mind um, is a song called "Revolfev" by Kid Cudi, and um, I heard it a while ago because I like Kid Cudi's music. But it came up again in this show called "Amend: The Fight for America," and it's this. Netflix documentary docuseries where they look at the 14th Amendment and how it has helped shape citizenship in America because after the Emancipation Proclamation when the well slaves were given freedom they were still not really considered citizens Mm, well I guess because at that time they like by lots of people still weren't considered human oh yeah (laughs) Which kind of seems, weirdly seems to be, still seems to be the case to this day, but that's another story for another day. Oh yeah, no, um, they, they, they do make a concerted effort in the docuseries to show how the usual <clears throat> suspects were not exactly happy with the 14th Amendment, like Trump, mm-hmm. who wanted to mm-hmm. like um, get rid of it because it gave, well, birthright citizenship and it is also being used as a basis for women's liberation and also LGBT rights to be given to, well, people so yeah no it's it's just people fighting against progress which is shit because mm-hmm. we need to be striving for progress but people exactly. are just like no we don't want to do that and it's like but but why guys why are you doing that mm. but it is what it is it is what it is we're slowly making progress in life but bit by bit yeah i yeah. mean like we're way better as a society than, you know, where we used to be. 
you know, I will say that, but there is still quite a lot more, you know, of work to be done and there's still quite a way to go. I mean, I'm glad it's no longer legal for men to rape their wives or girlfriends or whatever, but at the same time, you know, it's it's a, it's a very difficult subject, really. But, yeah, oh, God, that, that got really dark. <laughs> I mean, Sorry it got really that. dark, but, but no, it's fine because it is a... It, I'm only sighing because I'm, I'm going to end up saying something now which is just controversial in certain parts because I have family who listen to this and mm-hmm. um, I, I just at certain times have questions that I've had with my family members because um, so you might not know this but in Zimbabwean culture they they still have the dowry so when a mm-hmm. guy is getting married to a woman basically he goes to the um, to, to his fiance's family and then they have to um, basically pay money as the dowry mm-hmm. and it's just like um I spoke about it with my mother a while ago, actually. And um, my whole um, question about that is that, doesn't that make it partially seem as if the woman is property? And my mother was like, no, it's you showing appreciation for, you know, the work and everything that the the family have done to, you know, help raise the child. And I I get that as well. However, um, on the flip side, if let's say you end up having a child out of wedlock when you're paying the dowry you pay damages as well which is like yeah, yeah th- th- that is a bit <clears throat> yikes because from, from what i understood from dowry payments from like when i've read or you know watched videos about it from my understanding of it it's kind of more like you're paying for the privilege to get married to this wonderful man who happens to be from a good family and la di da di da di da it that's kind of how it looks to me like you know you want to get rid of you know this woman who <laughs> you know cut who is like you know back in the way 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 back in the days when women weren't allowed to work you know so you want to get rid of this you know basically the drain on on your household so you pay this man off to take her off your hands kind of thing that's kind of how it appears to me if that makes sense yeah no no that makes sense and i think it is um the difference is because in some cultures it's the um like woman's family that make the payments but in zimbabwe it's the man's family or the man who makes the payments to the woman's family but it's still just oh. yeah what okay i think that's kind of worse though isn't it yeah, that, that's <laughs> what like, i was saying let, let me buy your daughter off you <laughs> there are certain connotations and though that is not the when i spoke about it with my mother the, the intention is not that but you can see how certain people might construe mm. it in such a manner because it's yeah. still yes <laughs> yeah gosh wow that's Learn something new every day. Yeah. Every day is a school day. Every day is a school day indeed. (laughs) So, we are still a music podcast, even though we deviate into talking about very serious issues. And I should not have this kind of whimsical-like tone after what we just discussed. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so... um, we spoke about this on our first prior recording, but then I, I, we, we were not able to get the audio, so we're going to have to go this through this again. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> That's um, okay. 
But I wanted to touch on you and your musical journey because you have had quite the journey with music yourself <laughs> from when you started learning to where you are now. And I, I just want to go through that again because it, it is quite interesting. Okay. Um, right. So <laughs> my musical journey, goodness. Um, well, technically speaking, it uh, kind of began before I was even born. So... <laughs> <laughs> How is that possible? Uh, well, well, sir, let me tell you the story. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, um, my parents are musicians. Uh, so <laughs> uh, let me tell you the, the tale of how me being born ruined my mother's music career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my mother was in a band and, um, you know, she was the front person at, she was the front woman and the, the bassist of uh, the band that she was in. And um, my dad also happened to be the manager of said band. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, and, th and that happened. Uh, and just like, uh, I think it was just before my mum's band were about to get like all super big and famous and and whatever um she found out that she was pregnant with me so um yeah so that that kind of uh stopped it in its tracks but I mean like saying that like my mum was kind of done with the whole music kind of lifestyle anyway so she was quite happy for like well what that's what kind of what she's told me anyway so she's told me that you know she was quite happy for the for the way out and you know even that you know yeah and it happened to me so it happened uh, happened to be me so yeah I suppose um but I mean like she still played and she still did like big performances at festivals and so on like while she was you know heavily pregnant with me so the there's that that uh, kind of comes into it and um yeah so my parent like my like and I think like after I was born and stuff like you know she'd still do musical things and she'd still have band practices and you know I grew up seeing like the members of the band come over to my mum's house and you know practice and you know have their rehearsals and stuff and um yeah so the first ever musical instrument that I've ever played was the drums Actually, let's uh, backtrack to even before that. Um, God, yeah. I think my mum was telling me the story of how I kind of like freaked her out a little bit when I was like a little baby. And um, so she used to play like Barbara Streisand like all the time when I was little just to like get me to go to sleep. And then um, one day, like, you know, she was just holding me and rocking me in her arms as, you know, Barbara Streisand was, like, you know, playing in the background. And then, like, suddenly, um, <laughs> this little infant shocked, my, shocked her out of her skin um, by singing along to the Barbara Streisand track and harmonising to it. And she was just like, no, what? No. No, that, that didn't happen. No. 
And then she's like, okay, uh, just kind of like put it down, just left it for a couple of days. And then the next day it happened again. And she was like, what? 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 <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> so that was that. So <laughs> I guess you could say I was singing before I could talk. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, instrument wise, um, as I was saying before, the first ever instrument that I played was the drums. Um, so I think it was, uh, yeah, one of the band rehearsals at my mum's house. <clears throat> so yeah, everyone was there and they had like, you know, the drums kit set up and all the instruments and everything like that. And then, um, I just like looked at the drum kit. Like, I think I was about four years old at the time yeah just kind of like looked at the drum kit and thought huh that looks like fun I'm gonna give that a go so um four-year-old me uh just gets around the drum kit and I think there's like a video of this like somewhere in in the world I don't know where it is don't ask me (laughs) but um like of a four-year-old me like playing the drums and singing and I was too little to reach the drum pedals so like the the bass drum pedals so I was just kind of like kicking the drum instead so there was that and yeah and then um and then like you know you get to the stage like you know when you're quite young and you're you're in junior school and then like yeah everyone plays recorder and you know but I think I started playing recorder before I started school anyway. So I think that kind of gave me an edge. And like um, several members of my, like I think some of my aunts played played it particularly well. So I think the, my youngest aunt, she kind of like taught me a few things. And then after that moment, I was like, cool, I can pretty much play it now. So um, like I was pretty good at, you know, picking stuff up by ear. If you were to like hum it to me, I could play it. So by about seven, I was like really good, like really, really. Actually, no, maybe before that, like really good at recorder. I mean, I I haven't really touched it since, but yeah. Uh, well, no, I haven't touched it recently. Come to think of it, hmm. but um, yeah, I got like super good at recorder, and then my music teacher was just kind of like. Okay, so uh, choose another instrument. And then um, at the time, I've always been like kind of really passionate about flute. I always really wanted to play flute. But um, my grandmother wanted me to play violin. So I was just kind of like, I'll just go with my grandmother once and go for violin. And then, uh, yeah, I got to, yeah, I got quite okay at violin when I was about seven. And, um, you know, played in front of the school like a couple of times and stuff. So, um, yeah, did that. And then after a bit, um, I decided that I didn't want to play violin anymore. I wanted to play the keyboard. So then, you know, carried on with that for a while. Just did did keyboards and piano for for a bit. But then um, a lot of my teachers, my music teacher's biggest frustration was the fact that I just refused to read music. I couldn't, like, the amount of times that they've tried to force me to read it, and I was just like, nope, don't want to read it, nope. And, like, the more 
they tried to like kind of push me to read music and like you know really learn theory and all of that kind of thing the more resistant I was I was just like no <laughs> and yeah they kind of just got really annoyed at the fact that like you know if you hum the song to me like or if you play the song to me if I if I know the basic tune I'd probably be able to play it back to you um but if you stick the same thing in front of me and like a sheet music I'll just be like <laughs> no so yeah so there's that so after violin no sorry after violin there was keyboard after keyboard there was yeah then I decided that I really wanted to learn guitar because that was roughly about the time that I was getting into rock and metal and that kind of thing and I wanted to be a rock star so um yeah so gosh my mum like she always played guitar around me and she because she was a bassist as well so she she played bass and she also played guitar and she also sang so um she had that going on so I always used to see her like playing so I remember when being fairly young and asking her to teach me guitar and she was just kind of like nah nah I'm not I'm not gonna do that so cut to age 14 um when I'm starting to get into rock and metal and all of that um we're walking through Summerfield it's either Safeway or Summerfield or back in the days when when we had those particular supermarket chains um and we're in the magazine aisle and I saw Total Guitar magazine and I was just like ah that looks pretty cool like I didn't really know much about Total Guitar at the time but I think um it was just basically the band on the cover like don't ask me which band it was at the time but yeah I saw the band on the cover like that looks cool I want it so like I just kind of pressed my mum until she bought it for me and then um basically got home realized it was a magazine to teach you how to play guitar so I was just kind of like huh well what do you know okay let's let's give that a go then um just grabbed my mum's guitar and then um basically within a couple of weeks I'd taught myself how to like read tabs and stuff and you know I'd gotten fairly good and yeah and then just kind of like got to a certain level and then um yeah just kind of like kind of plateaued and (laughs) didn't really go much further but then that was roughly about the point that I you know realized actually no I really want to play flute because like you know when I played recorder you know I always used to play it transversely now and again and pretend that it was a flute and then I was just like no no I really want to really really want to try flute out and then um ended up meeting like making friends with the girl who just happened to be a flute player so I was just kind of like oh hi uh can I have a go on your flute and she's like yeah sure so um she basically just showed me the embouchure and like how to you know get a sound out and I was like cool all right I've got this and then I was like okay um just show me a C scale and then she showed me and it was just basically the same as recorder but, you know, obviously you play it to the side rather than down. So it's just kind of like, okay. So once I had that down, I was just like, cool. All right. 
oh, yeah, this is great. And then she just so happened to have a spare flute as well. So, um, yeah, so she lent me her spare flute for, for a while. And then I just kind of took that and just kind of like taught myself flute for a few years. And then um, it wasn't until I started uni and then I was just, um, and then I started to get um, formal flute lessons and then, you know, had to unlearn a lot of the things that I'd learned before. Like, you know, unlearned a lot of like, you know, bad habits from, you know, teaching myself and not really having, you know, any guidance. So, but like, he was, you know, quite surprised that I managed to get like that far (laughs) on my own anyway. So it was just kind of like, oh. Okay, cool. Um, but when I was at uni, I was trying to do like guitar and flute. I decided that I wanted to try and learn classical guitar. So did that for a bit and then ended up joining this kind of like Latin jazz typey band thing um, where I was playing mostly flute. And then just thought, yeah, I'll just put the guitar down for a while and uh, I'll just focus on flute, seeing as flute is mostly what I'm playing and you know also ended up joining the pops orchestra as well and you know touring the channel islands and playing flute for that and (laughs) doing the kind of voiceover like like one of the songs that we played in um the pops orchestra was uh the star wars theme so (laughs) I know right so um because I like star wars and I know like the whole intro thing so (laughs) I did the whole kind of um Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, and so on and so forth. So I'd <laughs> go to the front of the, or- the orchestra, same a bit, and then literally breeze back to my <laughs> desk, pick up my flute, and then just kind of carry on from where I was going. So did that with the orchestra as well. So focused on flute for a while, and then. Um, Whilst in the Latin-y, jazzy band thing, um, they decided that they needed, because we had a trumpet player, so we needed, like, they said they needed another kind of brassy instrument, so the person was the the girl girl who was the vocalist at the time, um, she'd bought herself a saxophone, and then it was another one of those instances, I was just, you know, um, where one one evening I was hanging out at her house and, you know, we were just messing about the saxophone. I was like, oh, can I have a go? And then just basically picked it up and was like, yeah, okay, I can play this now. This is, that's, that's cool. I mean, obviously I wouldn't have been an expert, but it's, you know, I, I could kind of bluff. And who am I kidding? I still bluff. So <laughs> that's, that's that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so did that for a bit, um, yeah, and just played sax in that band, and then, um, I think I was hanging out at another friend's house, and, um, another one of our friends was there, and she plays pretty much every, she plays most instruments, actually, and and really well, too, um but she had to she had to have like a bunch of woodwind instruments with her and um so yeah she got them all out and then I was just kind of like switching between the lot and I was just like 
oh, okay, so they're all basically the same. Okay, right. So that that makes life easier. So yeah, if if you can play one, it's pretty easy to play the other. Okay, cool. All right, I've got this. <laughs> this is fine. This is okay. Well, except for clarinet, because like clarinet, it's okay until you go up the octave and then it changes key, and then you're just kind of like, I can't flow with this. What is what is this? What what is what is this? No, um, no offense to any clarinet players out there, by the way. But yes, so that's my extremely long musical journey. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I, I I'm just realizing that. <clears throat> A, you're basically a musical prodigy because anything that you touch, you basically know how to play it, which is just blowing my mind right now. B, I'm still trying to wrap my mind uh, around your mother being heavily (laughs) pregnant, doing shows, because, like, maybe this would just show that I might be just getting confused with, well, uh, a woman's anatomy, but I'm like, is she kind of getting assistance on a diaphragm because she's carrying a human being in her stomach or not? I have no idea how the mechanics of all of that kind of stuff works. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> it, it's only somebody who has done some like singing training would end up thinking, or oh, my my mind is just like, hang on, does that give her an advantage or not? I I, I need to know this now. <laughs> like what? <laughs> this is just weird. Okay. Uh, to those people who don't sing or well um, don't understand the whole thing, so when you're singing, you're supposed to well be like singing from a diaphragm. So it's all about breath control in essence. And so my brain is like, well, if the baby is pushing up, does that mean that the diaphragm is going up, and does that end up assisting? I'm not so sure. <laughs> I don't know. Does it help or does it hinder? Okay. I, I'm not even sure myself. But or does as... it make any difference at all? Who knows? You could ask her. Who knows? Mysteries of the universe. Indeed. But (laughs) hearing your musical uh, story, uh, history, made me think about mine, which is not as extensive as yours, but mine gets weird at some points. So, Mm. um, I started singing when I was back in Zimbabwe, and um, I started basically singing in a uh, barbershop quartet, which was singing gospel music at uh, the secondary school that I was at. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's back when my voice hadn't changed it. I was actually still an alto, uh, the days. Um, <laughs> and so, unfortunately, we never received any actual training. So I was using the worst technique at the point, but it still kind mm-hmm. of managed to work itself out. And then mm-hmm. I ended up um, joining the school choir at that point. And we were, le- we were not taught how to read music or anything. We literally had to learn everything by ear. So just... Oh. Learn it by ear, mem- yeah, learn it by ear, memorize. That's literally the way that we went through things. And then at a certain point, we ended up then um, uh, going for <laughs> championship, like the national championships, because they had quite a national championships. That was a thing. So oh, wow. uh, we ended up winning our champ. We ended up winning the, the, the championships because uh, as it so happens, the guy who wrote the piece that we we're doing, his daughter went to our school, so he popped by and just oh. gave us some pointers. It's not really cheating, is it? Because we still have to sing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just those. Um, and because we ended up winning that, we then ended up um having to sing for Robert Mugabe at some point. So Ooh. I've yeah yeah no yeah I've sang in front of a dictator before in my life. Yes. Yes. Wow, <laughs> that's uh, that's definitely. 
Wow. Okay. I did say it gets weird at some point. I did say it gets weird at some point. Uh, so basically that happens. And then um, afterwards, I then end up uh, moving here. And for like two years, I don't even sing or do anything. And then at a certain point, I then um, get, um, I start, somebody ends up like trying to get me to sing Joyful, Joyful from Sister Act because mm-hmm. the name, people and all that inventive. Oh God, of course. <laughs> of course. And then um, afterwards, I'm like, yeah, I still kind of like singing. So I start um, doing musicals at my school and pantomimes. And then when I go to uni, no, and then when I'm still at school, that's when I start trying to learn guitar, but because... I I fell into the trap of listening to my friends and not my mother at this point because my mother, mm-hmm. in her infinite wisdom, was like, why don't you get lessons from this? And me listening to my friends, I'm like, yeah, but then most people who like do metal, they're self-taught. No, most people who do metal actually take lessons and most of them mm-hmm. actually have uni degrees in music. Yeah, but yeah, so I just yeah. end up saying I'm just going to learn tabs and everything else. Hence why my guitar playing is not advanced as much as it should. But I then end up well, going to uni, joining some bands, doing some gigs. And then, yeah, so this is where I am now. Um, basically uh, doing some lessons here and then. Um, still kind of singing, but not as much as I should be really. But mm-hmm. still loving music and still just involved in the scene, so to speak. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That, that's quite a lovely journey. Yeah, no, it, it's been fun. It's been weird. Um, yeah, no, I've not sang for any dictators recently, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> I know, right? I know. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so, um, oh, yeah. Also, didn't you say you want to get a harp at some point? Which now makes sense since you can literally play everything. Oh, I wouldn't go that far, but yes, I do want to get a harp. I mean, I can't literally play everything. It's like I, I, I need a lot of work on a lot of stuff. Um, there's, there's still a lot that I need to do, but yes, I, I definitely, definitely would very much like to own a harp because they're so cool. Have you seen those things? They're just oh, like, so awesome. But they're so big. Like you need a lot yeah. of space. Yeah. I'll make space, I don't know, I'll, I'll sell a sofa or a pack <laughs> of shelves or, I don't know, I'll sell something and I'll, then I'll make, make, the, make the room, make like, want to harp, but I'll only do it as a treat once I get to, like, a certain level on piano, so, you know, when I, when I, when I get good, when I get real good, then I'll be like, yeah, let's go down the harp route, because if you think about it, a harp is essentially a piano, but just, you know, upright and I, with all the strings exposed. Yeah, because if you think of a grand, way. yeah, because if you think of a grand piano, and you look on the inside of a grand piano, and you see all those strings and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's basically that, but turned upwards, and you just pluck the strings instead of hammering them. That is true. I never thought about it that way, but yeah. Indeed. So um, you touched on earlier that you started getting into, well, guitar when you were getting into metal. How did you get into metal? Because it is not often seen as the black genre. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know. Growing up, I just never really was like, you know, in quote, in quotation marks, uh, a typically black person anyway. And, yeah, so just, 
I don't even know, actually. I know that I think um, I was just passing by somewhere and then Corn Freak on a Leash just happened to be playing on the TV at the time. And I was just like, huh, what's this? This looks interesting. Maybe I should check it out some more. Hmm. And then, you know, you get your, your typical gateway bands like, you know, Blink-182 and Linkin Park and that kind of thing. And then I just kind of ended up falling down the rabbit hole, really. And then I was just kind of like, this is amazing. I really like this. And then just so happened to find other people who were also into that kind of music and into the scene, that kind of scene and into dressing alternatively as well, you know. Back in the you know, early 2000s, late 90s with the giant baggy trousers and the oh, chains and we, 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 the band uh, t-shirts uh, and all of that kind of thing. You know, the good old days. Yeah, we tried Street to... sweeper trousers are so wide and so long that just pick up any rubbish that's on the ground. <laughs> We tried to pretend that never happened because, dear God, we the tried fashion to. back then. Oh, <laughs> man. We, we tried to pretend, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, it's funny that you say that because I've started to see just a lot of people saying how Linkin Park was one of their gateway bands because Linkin mm. Park was that for so many people. Mm. Yeah, they really were. And a lot of, like there was like a stage like a point in time when lots of people were just slating Lincoln Park for literally no reason like oh my god I can't believe you listen to Lincoln Park they're like so commercial and it's just kind of like shut up <laughs> like you know you didn't like suddenly go from listening to pop and R&B to like oh my god I'm just gonna stick on some Slipknot or Meshuggah just out of nowhere and just starting enjoying that. I, 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 I don't think I've met many people to whom that has happened, unless like your parents or something were into rock or, or some kind of alternative genre before. Like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there are people who just, st- you know, suddenly started listening to like extremely heavy music and was just like, cool, this is me. Great. I mean, you know, good for you if that's the case, but for, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For me, I, I can only speak for myself. Like, you know, you get like, you know, I grew up in the new metal kind of era when that was the thing. And yeah, that, that was, that was my gateway into more alternative genres. Yeah, no, same here. And uh, Linkin Park, I think we just owe them a great debt because mm. they were quite progressive with how they did their stuff as well. We, we like, yeah. I, I know that new metal was a new genre and everyone was saying that, but the way that they made it work so well, and not just mm. themselves, but if you look at Collision Course, which, like, seriously, mm. the joint album with Jay Z. How many? How many bands have done that? How How many bands That's have crazy. said we're gonna get the the top tier rapper around? Yeah, let's do an album with them. I don't know. I mean, Corn. I mean, if you want to go way, way back to like you know um, Aerosmith and Run DMC, I mean, like you know they were two huge groups 
but completely polar opposite ends of the genre. And then when they decided to do Walk This Way, everyone was just like, whoa, what is this? And I think it's a similar kind of thing to, you know, when the new metal era kind of came about, because I think um, Korn and and Limp Bizkit started doing stuff like that, like well before Linkin Park. And they were kind of like, you know, the groundbreakers for a lot of, you know, the really cool things that were to come. I mean, even Gent as well, like some of the weird sounds that Corn would pull. I mean, you could almost call bands like that, like, you know, proto-Gent in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the fusion of genres, the incorporation of like really unusual sounds and, you know, that kind of thing. It's... uh yeah, so like, you know, corn paved the way for, and, you know, Lincoln, you know, and Limp Bizkit and stuff paved the way for bands like Linkin Park to, you know, come onto the scene, you know, by fusing that, you know, the mixture of like rap and metal. It is, yeah, it just kind of helped, helped bring that about, really. True. And, um, it's funny that you ended up saying Run DMC and Aerosmith because I thought you were going to mention um, an- Anthrax and Public Enemy because that also what? happened. Did you not know this? No? What? Yeah. No, seriously. Anthrax Amazing. and Public Enemy. Yeah. No, that is a thing that happened before. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Yes. Well, what do you know? Yeah. Like, what's next? Slayer and Tiny Temper? <laughs> no, that, 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 that one is not going to happen. But, so, yeah, bring the noise, Anthrax and Public Enemy. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. But the interesting part, though, is to do more with um, how um, Walk This Way with Run DMC and um, Aerosmith ended up happening. So, have you heard of a man called Rick Rubin? Yes, he's produced, like... Oh, the major albums. Well, I mean, most of the major albums, yeah. Yeah. But do you know what he was doing before? Well, well, do you know how he came to get to what he is? Uh Uh-uh. Tell me the story, Balamori. So, Rick Rubin, um, when he was, uh, as the Americans call college, which we call university, Mm -hmm. uh, he had a, I think they were either roommates or they were good friends. He had a friend of his who ended up saying, we should start a record label. Um, mm. This friend of his happened to be Russell Simmons. Mm. They ended up starting a, a tiny label you might have heard of called Def Jam. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that's how like everything else ended up happening. And at some point um, with Rick Rubin, he ended up basically just still having two feet in both worlds. Yeah, because I've seen his name on pretty much, like, not just alternative labels, but, like, across the board. And you're just like, how? 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 But, yeah, so, like, now that you said that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, and um, I, I, I think I, I, I either read or saw somewhere where Slipknot were complaining that when they hired Rick Rubin to produce one of their albums, they say that he wasn't that present. But in my opinion, mm. Subliminal Versus 3 is still an amazing album and he did good work. Mm. Yeah. yeah, like it has bangers like Psychosocial, Duality, mm-hmm. and it, it is just... 
Ah, it is such a good thing. But yeah, saying that nothing compares to the self-titled album, though. That that was the album I grew up with. That was the one for me. You know, like you know, eyeless. You can't see California with that metal on your eyes. You know, and of course, you know, wait and bleed the old classic. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That mean like you know, the new stuff is. I don't know. Yeah, the new stuff is good, but it, it. I guess for me, it's more the nostalgia factor. Yeah, I think that's pretty much just it. There's nothing wrong with the newer stuff. It's just I like the old stuff because it just reminds me of the good old days. The good old days. Kind of. <laughs> I call them the the in in quotes. <laughs> the good old days. So mm. I, I just ended up on well Rick Rubin's Wikipedia as you were speaking and. There are some left field ones like Adele. He was on Twenty One. Uh, he's credited oh. on that. Um, wow. Johnny Cash, American Four. Wow. Uh, ZZ Top, which is that? Eminem, um, Marshall Mathers, LP. I knew about that one. Yeah. Lady Gaga, Art Pop. Wow. Ed Sheeran, X. <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> Um, Wu-Tang Clan, A Better Tomorrow. My goodness. Kanye West, Life of Pablo. Wow. Santana. <laughs> yeah, I think I knew about Santana as well, because I, um, I had the Supernatural album when it came out. <laughs> oh, mate, he was on Toxicity. I know he was. Oh, I know that very well, Yeah. I, I had that album when I also had that album when it came out. Uh, Jay Z, Ninety Nine Problems. Wow! <laughs> I'm gonna stop. Oh, th- okay. This this is the last one, and then we continue. Okay. Lil John and the Eastside Boys, Crunk Juice. What? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. He's literally just everywhere. <laughs> he really, really is. My goodness. That was the Profound. last place. That was the last place I was expecting. It was like, Louis John was like, okay, um, fair enough, fam. Fair what? Enough. <laughs> so, okay. Um, <laughs> you're making me wish I had dreadlocks again. I used to do that all the time. What? Uh, Oh, good old little John. What happened to him? He's just, like, after Turn Down For What, he just basically, I mean, he has money, so, you know. Mm, so he's okay. I remember he, him in the, um, in Korn's video for Twisted Transistor. Oh, yeah, that and video look at, like, all the rappers to like, pretend him, to be Snoop members Dogg, of Exhibit, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That was, was so such good. a funny video. It really is. Well, talking about um that, uh, there is this, um, I need to find the thing. I shared it a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. There's a series uh, on YouTube where it's this media company that talks to musicians about how their songs came to be. And mm-hmm. they have one with Cisco and the Thong song. Oh, my God. Best That's ever. such a classic. 90s really classic. Oh, I, my goodness. And I forget how, A, Cisco is a really good singer. Like, mm-hmm. really underrated. He is mm-hmm. actually really good. And mm-hmm. also... How the song came to be is really funny, and mm-hmm. it is just the best thing ever. Actually, no, I think I have seen that one. Yeah, I think in, in one of my YouTube wormholes, I did stumble upon that one, but I can't remember the exact story, so please do tell. Uh, 
So, um, he had just uh, told the guys from Drew Hill that he was going to do his solo um, project. And then mm-hmm. he's, he ended up meeting up with these producers. And they had originally made the song to try to give it to Michael Jackson. But they ended up putting mm-hmm. it on the um, pile of songs that they had for Cisco by accident. And then... Oh, my God. He, he, yeah. And then he heard that, and then it was like, I like that one. They're like, nope, it's it's for MJ, it's for MJ. Sorry, my mistake. It's like, okay, fine. It's like, he heard the other ones. It's like, okay, that's fine, that's fine. He then gets on a plane, and then he's trying to go back home. And while still on the plane, he calls the producers, and it's like, guys, I want that song. I I, 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 I need to get that song. Um, If you say yes, I will get on another plane directly back to you guys, and then I will just get that song and pay you guys. I'm like, okay. They're like, if a if a musician loves the song that much that he's willing to basically do a return trip, we'll have to give it to him. Uh, and then he gets there. And so these guys were used to themselves basically doing all of the songwriting and everything else and the arrangements. And then Cisco is there. It's like, nope, I'm going to, you know, chase some of the arrangements and actually write the songs themselves. But then he's trying to write the songs. And then he basically is stumbling. He doesn't know what to well, talk about. But he's like with his boys and everything else. And then he talks about how the night before he'd just been on a date with a girl and then when they were well, about to get busy she ended up showing that she was wearing a thong and he had never seen one before so... <laughs> let me see that thong pretty much so, 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 so that's how that, that ended up happening and then um as he's like coming up with that um i think he ended up saying the next day he's still working on the song and then one of his guys like dude you never see you never guess what happened to me it's like what it's like i was with out with this girl and then you know uh, at some point she just ended up giving me this thing in my hand and then what did she give me it's like, <laughs> that song, that song. <laughs> so, that's amazing so that's how that ended up happening and it gets even wilder so um mm-hmm. the, the you know the, the violin there's more yes there is more <laughs> you, you know the violin at the intro right Mm-hmm. Yeah, so originally they had sampled Eleanor Rigby from the Beatles, but they're like, yeah, we can't really do that. So ah. Cisco ends up just saying, you know what, I'm going to find somebody to do the violin. And uh, he ended up basically getting the session musician who mainly does mm-hmm. movies, including Star Wars Episode 1 and then Episode 6, and, no, episode, mm-hmm. yeah, episode 7. Uh, a lot of the Marvel films, everything else like that. So they ended up basically getting that guy to end up doing a new arrangement for the thong song. Mm. Everything is going well. The song starts playing and it becomes a big hit. But then problem ends up being um, that he... Um, uh, doesn't he say um, La Vida Loca at some point in that song? I think he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had not yeah. cleared that with Rita Re- Locati. Yeah. Like check, check, check. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. He hadn't cleared that with um, Ricky Martin's people, so they had to pay some money. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so th- that was a bit of a tricky one. But then, as Cisco says, um, every got, everyone got paid at the end. Everyone ate, so mm-hmm. it was all good. So, yeah, that is the story of the Thong song. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Interesting. A funnier one is the story of She Wasn't Me. Oh, yeah. I was watching that one. Yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> that one was cool. Yeah, because who who would have guessed that Shaggy's musical career was saved by Napster, <laughs> of all things? Yeah, right? 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. Literally. It is wild. It really is. Um, we need to actually go back to well the metals because I still have a podcast that is metal adjacent, even though we, we are getting so but lost. Saying that, um, I ended up watching another YouTube video about um songs that were meant for like the, you know popular songs that were actually meant for other artists. Yep. Like um, Toxic by Britney Spears was actually meant for Kylie Minogue. Really? And um, Chandelier by Sire was actually meant for Rihanna. I think I've heard that one before. Mm. And Ed Sheeran's Shape of You. um, I think he originally wrote that for um, Rihanna to sing as well. And then he just ended up singing it himself. (laughs) But you can actually imagine Rihanna singing Shape of You. I can, I can see yeah. how, yeah, I get that. I can kind of see how that would have been a Rihanna song, but yeah. Talking about Rihanna as well, um, did you know uh, Nuno Bunkamp from Extreme is her session guitarist when she's on tour? Huh. Yeah. Wow. Every day is a new... Yeah, every day is a school day. <laughs> Basically, to everyone listening, if you ever need somebody for a pub quiz that is related to music, get me. I have random bits of music <laughs> trivia that have no use anywhere else. <laughs> hey! Yeah. So, uh, going back to the metals, um, as we have said before, we both ended up meeting each other at TechFest. So, well, through TechFest Connections, rather. How did you end up getting involved in the TechFest? Um... It's a, it's quite a funny one. Um, originally, kind of through Lulu Davies, um, she's like an awesome music manager. She like manages bands and does like PR and all that, all of that kind of thing. Uh, um, yeah, she she is incredible. Um, so yeah, any bands who who need like that kind of any any PR or anything like that or management go hit her up she's fantastic um but yeah yeah like um Lulu and I would go back like way back we've known each other for like well over 10 years um so one of the bands that she I think yeah one of her bands had um was playing I think one of the all dayers so I just kind of like you know went along like to one of them and then after that, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I went to another. Um, but I think another friend of mine, Angelo, was doing, I think he was, um, like, promoting that one. So, yeah, so I just kind of met, like, at that time, I was kind of getting into photography as a hobbyist. And, like, you know, I'd done a course and I was like, oh, okay, I want to try this out. So, um yeah, messaged Angela and I was just kind of like, yeah, would it be all right if I came along and just like did some photos and stuff? Um, and then he was like, yeah, yeah, just come along. Yeah, it'll be great. So I did that. And um, while I was there, that's how I met Simon, the the man behind it all, so to speak. Um, yeah, and then we just kind of became friends. And then, you know, the rest is history, as one would say. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, through the scene... I just ended up meeting some really incredible people and some really talented folks and some people who are just like, you know, amazing and just incredible and on so many levels. So, and yeah, I remember my first year actually, um, it was myself, Harrison and a guy called Chris 
and we were all doing first aid together and yeah um like the best way to like you know your first time in at tech fest the best way to do it is to volunteer and either steward there or you know do something you know volunteering there because you end up meeting people you're getting you know end up getting introduced to people you uh, you because you're like fully immersed in the weekend as it's happening so it just kind of helps it to just kind of you know it, it just kind of gels you in from the start so that that was kind of my introduction into it and you know ended up meeting the bands and like, ended up meeting you know loads of other people who are involved in the bands you know or involved in the festival as well you know uh, I think I met Amanda that year as well and um, yes, lo- loads of, you know, other people and just kind of, you know, developed a really good friendship. And from that, like that weekend literally changed my life. But like after that, I was just kind of like, wow, I've I've experienced I've experienced some amazing festivals. But this this really is just like on another level. This is incredible. So, yeah. And from that point onwards, like. Techfest has just been a massive part of my life, really. Yeah, no, I understand. And I do agree with you that, um, especially with Techfest, if you start by working it, that does help you, uh, that does help immerse you into it. I mean, uh, with me and Jack, the first time that we went, we were um, working on the merch table and we got to meet so many people and we got to get fully immersed into everything. And it was so amazing. And um, because I didn't drive back then, um, we actually got there with Simon uh, because, mm. uh, yeah, in the van, in the van, yes. So we got <laughs> there with Simon in the van, and it's such an interesting, just experience. Basically, getting there before anything is set up, mm. and then helping set up the merch table, and getting everything out, and doing all of this other stuff, and then by the time that Thursday rolls around, because um, so. Uh, this is going to be some behind the scenes stuff for people who are not usually mm. there um, earlier. So, Techfest usually starts on, I want to say Thursday. Is it Thursday or Friday? Yeah, yeah. Thursday is Thursday, like Thursday, the yeah. early, early bird. bird. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Thursday is the early bird. But when um, when we usually end up going there, depending on the groups of people who are helping with the setup, some people are there on the Wednesday, but mm-hmm. me and Simon and some other people were there on the Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. You guys are yeah. there from Tuesday. Like, Wednesday's when I usually arrive. But, yeah, like, you guys are, like, already there and be like, oh, my God, setting stuff up and putting things in places. Yep. And then getting everything set up. And, yeah, no, it, it is just amazing. And th- the more that we're talking about it, the more that I'm realizing how much I miss TechFest and just seeing mm-hmm. everyone. Plus, also, the breakfast calzone, because that is just a oh, godly creation. Please. Like Shrewsy, magical man, and the brown cheese, my annual brown cheese from Anders, oh, he lovingly yeah. brings over from Norway every year. I haven't had that in so long. I haven't had brown cheese in so long. I need my brown cheese. What? Yeah. Oh. Hopefully, oh. Hope, well, hopefully, <laughs> with, with with the easing of everything and the vaccine, hopefully you'll be able to get your brown mm. cheese soon. But yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yes, indeed. So uh, while we're still on the topic of TechFest, what would you say is your f- favourite TechFest experience then? Or memory? Oh my God. Um, God, that's a difficult one. 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just love like you know meeting people and you know catching up with you know everyone. It's just like a big giant family reunion. Like you know you haven't seen each other in about a year, and then you see each other again. It's just like oh my god, oh my god, and it's great. Um, <laughs> um, gosh, I think uh, getting to meet Leprous a couple of times that was really cool, and um. Oh, there was a moment <laughs> where it was the year that Protest the Hero played. And I was, um, at that time, we only had Lincoln. Um, we didn't have Mitzi at the time. So those are, those are mine and Simon's Huskies. So, um, yeah, so Lincoln's the older one. So we only had Lincoln. And I was just walking, giving them a walk around the grounds, like, at, you know, after the protest had finished playing. And then um, they spotted me with him and they're like, oh, my God, a pooch. And I was just kind of like, ah. I mean, they, they don't sound southern, like, but that's the accent I'm going to do today. <laughs> that's this is the accent you are getting. Sorry, protest, if you're listening to this or if you happen to listen to this at some point. But yes. Oh, my God, you got a pooch. Oh, my God, you got to bring him around. We want to hang out with him. i was like well who am i to deny the bands what they want so (laughs) went down to the green room and um yeah so um took lincoln with with us and with me and just kind of like i was like yeah you know and they got to meet lincoln and they were hanging out with him and Lincoln was trying to steal the food off tables and I was trying to stop Lincoln from stealing the food off the tables. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, it was really cool. That was a really fun night. Um, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, also like the after parties as well, which are also like have just been loads and loads of fun because at that point, like I usually make a promise to myself not to really drink or get too like, not to get too drunk before 6 p.m. After 6 p.m., boom, all right. Crazy drunk Rania can enter the building. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, the after parties, like, you know, uh, played a few of them and, you know, it's well, played and sang, actually, mostly sang. And the techiokis, those are quite fun. I love that that's a thing. Um yeah, stuff like that, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's really difficult to pinpoint one particular thing about TechFest. It's like, I don't know, like trying to choose, like, you know, if you've got like confetti sprinkles, which one of the confetti sprinkles is your favorite confetti sprinkle? Like, there's so many. I can't choose. I don't know. I mean, that's the first time I've heard somebody use confetti sprinkles as a way to explain <laughs> something. But it it works, it works. Uh, But I do agree with you there that there are so many and it is hard to pinpoint because, Mm. um, yeah, I know we've done so many, like when you're a tough there's just so many amazing things that are happening. And Mm. um, yeah, and I also say with the after parties, especially the cover bands, that's always just a highlight for me because I'm like, what are they going to do next? Um, I I remember um, one time... uh, (laughs) 
speaking to Lee Mintz and he basically they, they were doing the slam of God. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. And then Lee Mintz was jokingly saying, "Of course they got the American to do redneck." <laughs> yes oh my god i remember the first time i met lee oh what a wonderful guy he's just such an amazing amazing human he really is oh my goodness yeah Yeah, i I remember that particular year when i met lee and i met um alex and like um all the animus guys who are like my adopted babies uh like my little children um but yeah oh such legends you know, I've, I've actually been speaking to Lee for a bit and I'm trying to see if I can get him on the podcast because that'll be quite amazing and it would just be so much fun because he is just such a ray of sunshine. Oh, he is, isn't he? Goodness. Yeah, he is just so amazing. Um, so, uh, besides metal, what other genres do you listen to? Mm, I think asking what genres I don't listen to would be a shorter list. But... um. I don't know. I listen to all sorts, really. Um, most things, like, with the exception, I'm like I'm not that much into chart stuff. Um, I'm not as against it as I kind of would have been about five, ten years ago. But I'm not like uh, I'm not really that into it so much. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I love like Latin music. I love a bit of jazz really really love classical like i really love classical um hmm. oh like yeah i love a bit of stoner rock as well do have a bit of a penchant for that and indie as well like kind of like newer indie um i mean there'll always be a place in my heart for like blur but i mean stuff like you know alt j or um What's his name? Um, yeah, a tiny bit of Tame Impala as well. What do you even call that indie? I don't know. But, um, oh gosh. Um, let, let me just check my Spotify real quick. I can't remember anything right now. No, that's fine. Uh, well, I mean, as you mentioned jazz. But yeah, all uh, sorts, really. Yeah. I was going to say that. As you mentioned jazz, um, I guess that you like Snarky Puppy then. Right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah they're great. No, uh, the reason that I'm asking is because... Like, so different. <laughs> I love, I like, how experimental they are. That is true. And, like, with me, I... Simon likes them, and so he's oh, been telling cool. me about them. And I... It took me a bit of a while to get into them, but I've been watching the Drumio videos with Lanell mm. Lewis, and, dear God, that man is a machine. Like... The, the thing that weirded mm. me out about him is mm-hmm. for that uh, We mm. Like It Here album, he basically but yeah, like, uh, learned the drums on a seven-hour plane ride. What? Yeah, seven- didn't you know? What? Yeah, like he says, with the exception of two songs, he learned the drums on a seven-hour plane ride to Europe. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's that's incredible. Yeah, that's so good. Seven hours. Hey, it's uh, a long plane journey right here. I'm just gonna, you know, learn the drums. Well, as you do. Uh, yeah, well, I think you meant like the drum parts, but still, that is. But still, that's that's commitment. That's really cool. That's 
That's amazing. Yeah. That's like a goal to aspire to. That's like really good usage of time. You know, you've got all this time where you're literally just doing nothing. And yeah, it's just kind of yeah. like, well, I'm, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do this. No, okay. like the, the one that blew my mind is when he's saying this is it's in a video titled drama listens to song for one time and then plays it after just listening to it once and i'm paraphrasing and butchering the actual description but when you see the description you think oh he's going to listen to some drum parts and then you know replicate them right no they put him in there and then it's just this jazz section that's just playing without any drums and then he annotates it and then he just does the drums in the second take to add them in it's just like what you literally just wrote drum parts and just Damn. went with it yeah the man is ridiculously mm-hmm. talented it That's is just amazing. really really cool <laughs> yeah it's like what but yeah um so um while we were still speaking of music and everything else there is a topic that i wanted to uh-huh. discuss with yourself uh and you're one of the mm-hmm. best people to ask this question uh, as a black woman um how have you found it being in alternative spaces hmm. um it's a mixed bag really because i don't know like growing up and then like being the type of personality i am and then being in black spaces, so I'll come along and be like, hi, everyone. And like everyone will just, you know, it'll be like record scratch. Music stops. Everyone turns around and look, look around like, mm, what? <laughs> that kind of scenario. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just kind of feel like it's weird because in some spaces, you know, you get that, you know, in some alternative spaces, you get that kind of like, you know, you walk into the room and then you get that look and then you get that kind of like feeling when you walk into the room and that everyone's just kind of like wearing. Like I've had it, you know, a few times when I've gone to a few like alternative clubs or whatever. Um, but then like, you know, as the music's going and the night's going on and the drinks are flowing and then like, you know, by 1am, you know, you're hugging and holding arms with and holding hands and singing with a bunch of random strangers, you know, and, you know, they kind of get drawn more to you because, you know, you you actually know the songs and that kind of thing, you know, like, you know, they don't just see you as some girl in an H&M Iron Maiden t-shirt. It's just kind of like, no, I bought this Iron Maiden t-shirt when I went to see Iron Maiden, damn it. Hmm. (laughs) But yeah, it's uh, you know, that kind of thing really. But um, I don't know, it's weird cuz like yeah, I do kind of feel like I fit in more in a lot of ways than I would do in kind of a hip hop sphere because for, well, firstly, I'm not really into that kind of music and I really like I'm more into metal. But um, I don't know. Like um, there have been a few like funky moments what that have, you know where people just start being a bit weird for no reason and um 
actually, unfortunately, this did happen at one tech festy typey thing. Um, it was, uh, I think it was on the all dayers or something like that. And I think I was going through that phase when I was just kind of like switching hair colors like every other week or something. And then, um, like, I was just talking to a group of people and this is, um, one girl, she had really cool lilac hair. And I was like, oh my God, your hair looks amazing. Yeah, that's the kind of, that's the colour I want to go for next. And then she just goes, yeah, but mine is real. And it's just kind of like, oh, okay, wow. That, was that even necessary? Okay. Ooh. All right, I won't bother talking to you again then. Awkward. But, um, I don't know if that aside, I mean, for the most part, it's been a good experience. For the most part, you do get like a few odd moments with people, but overall, it's been pretty good. Like, it's kind of like, you know, the alternative scene of, you know, just a bunch of people who accept, you know, other people and the, all their weirdnesses and yeah and that, that's kind of like how it's been for me for the most part you know obviously nowhere is perfect and no one is perfect and no one particular scene is perfect but you know some you just kind of feel like you fit in with more than others and that's just kind of how I am with the whole alternative spheres really yeah no that's true and um really sorry to hear that that happened with a person saying but mine is real it's just yeah it's uh, like wow okay like, i know yeah. but no, it i i i think that it as you've said that it, it does happen but it's far and few in between because mm. I, I i've mentioned it uh on the podcast many a times that i've had uh the situation once when i was at the waterfront in norwich uh with uh, jack and some of our other friends were there for new year's eve years ago and while i'm mm. there um I think I'm just in the smoking area and then somebody ends up coming to me and they say that, oh, I'm surprised to see you here. I would have thought that you'd be much more of a Kendrick fan. I'm like... Uh, uh, yeah, I've gotten that one too. Really? It's like, it's like, oh, wow, do you actually like metal? And it's just like, well, no, I'm just here to, you know, look at flowers. Of course I like metal. What on earth? <laughs> like, why else would I be here? What's wrong with you? But no, I I don't like metal. I just randomly work for a progressive metal festival and listen to a lot of people sh just do some very extreme metal <laughs> at times. But you know, it's just a phase, I guess. Just yeah. a phase. Yeah. So weird when people are like that. But on the flip side, though, one of the things that I'm seeing, which is uh, change in progress, is yeah. that uh, I'm starting to see. The, the discussion of alternative scenes become much more open in black circles because mm. for quite a while I think um, some some black people who like metal were not really that open about it or some people would not mm -hmm. end up you know um, saying that but it's starting to change and one of the things yeah. that I just love so much is uh, going on YouTube reacts and there's a lot of um, black people in yeah. America who are just reacting to a shit ton of metal and they're just absolutely loving it and yeah. they're just like, vibing. What's that channel? Is it like Lost in LA or Lost in somewhere? Lost like in that? Vegas. There we go. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, it's so wholesome. It's just such a beautiful channel. It's so good to watch. And 
you know, listening, like watching them listen to Miss Sugar for the first time and just being like, whoa, oh my God, this is great. Or like, or just kind of like pausing and then analyzing bits of it or, you know, the the video where they were listening to Ghost of Perdition by Opeth. It's like one of my favorite bands, by the way. Just as a side note. Anyway, side note. it was nice. To, <laughs> it was nice to see that, like you know, like you know, stuff that I've grown up with, and you know, them as adults, kind of experiencing it for the first time and just seeing their kind of joy at it, and it's just kind of like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, no, it is pretty good, and you can see that a lot of people are being exposed to this music, and a lot of people are starting to like it, and mm. it is quite nice, and I keep on just looking at different bands that I like to see what people's reactions are, and it is just mm. a great joy to see that. And also, <clears throat> I think with the acceptance that people now have, not only with metal, but also a lot of geeky things, because mm. for some reason... I don't know why, um, and I've already spoken about this with Barry Carter in a previous episode. Uh, a lot of black people really, and a lot of people in Africa, really like kung fu films, which then ended mm. up translating to anime, to the point that um, <clears throat> you have rappers who are... Ref- <clears throat> sorry. Something in my throat there. You have rappers who are referencing um, Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, and other things ah, like that. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, I'm sorry if you're hearing like weird sounds. I'm just drinking tea. No, but okay. yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, there, there was this one time that a cousin of mine he basically came up to me and was like, um, "Joy, what's a Sharingan?" Because this rapper Dave mentions it in one of his songs, and I'm like, "I, mm. I now have to explain like Naruto to you a bit for you to mm. understand that." But <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, just kind of because before, like, being black meant you had to be a certain way and you had to kind of be serious and only like things that were deemed quote unquote cool. And it's just kind of like, nah. And like, if you're, if you just so happen to be black and, you know, a bit more nerdily inclined, then it's just kind of like, Oh my God, you're not really black. And it's just like, but I am. It's like, you know, if, if we were both to walk into a KKK rally, like we, we both will be getting attacked, so just shut up. Um, but <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's weird, but like it's well, it's great that you know black people are now we're now allowed to be we're now allowing to ourselves as well to kind of be indivi- more individual rather than just to be a monolith and just be like, okay, I'm black, so I have to play up to this way of being black. It's just like there's many ways of experiencing your blackness or being yourself and, you know, experiencing a sense of individuality because, you know, it's important. Oh, true. Like, um, a lot of people might not know this, but one of the highest top-charting artists at the present moment, is a massive weeb. Her name is Meg mm. the Stallion. Yeah! She yeah, really like likes she's, um, she's amazing. She's just generally an incredible human being. Like, she's yeah. studying to be a nurse as well. Yeah. Like, and um, she's going to end up opening an assisted living facility in her hometown because she said, I'm going to do that after I graduate because... Wow. Yeah. That's so sweet. Oh, well, I wish her all the best. Like, genuinely wish her all the success in everything that she does. 
Yeah, no, she is just changing the world bit by bit, man. Mm, exactly. Oh, bless her. Yeah. I mean, while we're on the topic of race, I mean, I don't know how to phrase this in a nice way, but how have you found mm. being black in the UK? I'm always interested about mm. that. And especially as you're a black woman, because that compounds a lot of different extra struggles there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, it all depends on which part of the UK you happen to be in. True. Because um, I've pretty much grown up here most of my life. So this is mostly what I know. Um, I don't know. I remember the first ever time I went to um, to Norwich. And um, I went with my mum and some like some of her friends or something. And um, obviously, like, we were all black and in a place like Norwich, stepped off the coach and literally, like, we're just walking down the street, just, you know, doing normal, normal stuff. Heads were turning, everyone was just kind of staring and it was just kind of like, oh, my God, what are they doing here? What? But, um, yeah, I don't know. But then that was like when I was, how old was I now? I would have been about 13 or 14 at that time. But then going back there more recently, it's completely changed. And I guess now that people are a lot more open to seeing people, you know, from a different race and from a different background in in their environment or just around or just existing just generally so it's not so much of a oh my god anymore so um but I'm sure there's still some places in the UK like where you know if I was to arrive or just go there or whatever I would still kind of get stared at that kind of uncomfortable so um yeah yeah it's weird um but I don't know, generally, I don't know, because I've lived in London most of my life, and London is just so diverse, especially Croydon. Croydon is the most diverse borough in London. Um, so I've just kind of grown up seeing all different races, all different cultures, all different backgrounds, and then, you know working for so many years in a place like a library you meet everyone like every walk of life you meet you know some ridiculously rich people who you know you have to help with a computer issue or you know you might meet someone struggling to get onto their benefits or something um but for me how race has affected me personally in the UK. Oh, that one's, that's so broad because there are some moments where I've been fine and it's been okay and, you know, that kind of thing. But then there's been other moments where, you know, (laughs) you get, you know, that person who's, probably you know he's a bit he's quite a bit older like oh look at those darkies over there and just like 
Oh, oh look at him with his darky friend. And you're just like, oh god, well, oh, okay, I'm I'm gonna go over there now. Bye. <laughs> oh dear God. Oh dear God. Wow. I mean, um, <laughs> you've just given me a lot of things that I want to also just add on to that. But mm. so the the reason why I ended up asking is I was speaking to uh, someone yesterday and I mm. uh, was just talking about, well, race and everything else. And I realized that I'm in the weird um, situation, which a lot of immigrants find themselves in, whereby uh, if you've come from a majority black country to somewhere like the UK, you might not end up understanding the nuance of certain things. And mm. it took me a long while to get to understand that. But then on top of that, due to, well, the nature of the world, it can be a bit mm -hmm. tricky at times. And I don't know if you have this um, happens to you, but it happens to me at times where w when someone is just behaves to you in a certain way, you, because of the color of our skin, you, you at times are not sure you're like, are they just a bit of a dick or are they racist? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I've had those moments a few times. It's just kind of like, would that person say that exact same sentence to me if I was not black? Like, would would they have? Hmm. Hmm. Actually, I remember one time, um, I think I was at a friend's house and we were just kind of hanging out and like, you know, and there was loads of people around. This is like years ago, it's back in uni. And um, yeah, it was just a bunch of us there. And then there was like one other, one guy who was, you know, happened to be quite alternative as well. So I was just kind of, hey, alternative person, cool, I can talk to you about music. So yeah, you know, we were just sat on the sofa, we were just chatting and, you know, just talking about bands and stuff. And then suddenly, out of the blue, out of nowhere, like literally, like we're sat on the like opposite ends of the sofa. Like there's no physical contact, there's nothing. Out of nowhere, he's just kind of like, sorry, I'm just not into black girls. And I'm like, eh, weren't we just talking about tall? Yeah, I'm so I'm just I know, but I'm just not into black girls. But what's that got to do with anything? I'm so, I'm just not into black girls, I'm sorry. Okay. Alrighty then. Um, yeah, that 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 is <laughs> that is more an indication on that guy if anything else, because mm. yikes. Mm, I know, right? Big yike. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like oh somebody's just being to me, oh they're trying to hit on me, no, I I just don't one so mm. I don't know, because like regard like, you know, regardless of colour, like some guys are of the school of thought that, you know, if a girl is talking to me and she happens to be smiling, then obviously she wants to sleep with me, right? And it's just like, no, it's not necessarily the case. Maybe, yeah. maybe she's just being friendly. Maybe yes. she's just a friendly person. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> Some people are just... <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, no, th 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 that does end up happening a lot. And I think to uh, to a certain group of guys, it, it can be a bit tricky to read people and mm. you might end up, well, falling into the, like, uh, what do you call it, into the hole of just being presumptuous because you no one has told you better. And mm. I, I, I'm saying this as a person who 
like when I was young, especially during my uni days, I did not know how to navigate just most things. And I was just mm-hmm. woefully just an idiot. And I, this is going to be the episode that this comes out. So, um, okay. okay. No, so no, no, no. Um, when I was younger, so I, I was quite insecure about a lot of things and I, I, I wasn't, well, that, that weird, but I keep on saying that I was fortunate enough to end up having friends who ended up helping me navigate through things because things got a bit dicey. Um, I always joke that I might have ended up, well, on the weird, like, menosphere kind of thing and everything else. This is now just diverting and me just opening up about mm-hmm. a lot of weird things. That's but, uh, fine. Yeah, no, because I, when you were describing that guy, I, I see, I think, bits of what I used to kind of be like and just not understand. I mean, I didn't end up saying to people that because I'm not a dick even back then. That is just <laughs> rude. You don't mm-hmm. just end up, like, assuming something and then just say, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm not in... It's like, Dude, what the uh-huh. fuck? Yeah. yeah. But I think with a lot of those people, because they are quite um, enclosed and they um, basically have things that they've been told or not been told appropriately, they end up having these preconceived notions. And that's how mm. we end up with the lovely people called incels. That is sarcasm. Incels are not lovely people, seriously. <laughs> incels are not lovely. Um, I need to clarify that. No, no, mm. no, no. And yeah. Hmm, yeah. Well, the thing is, that particular guy, he wasn't the incel-y type, he, you know, he was oh. a pretty, he was alternative, but he, you know, he was a regular kind of guy, you know, he talked to people normally. Basically, he spoke to everyone else relatively normally, interacted with, you know, girls generally, you know, fairly normally, but then he was just always a little bit off with me for, like, no apparent reason, and it's just kind of like... Oh, okay. Oh, so he was a dick then? Okay. Yeah, probably, yeah. Looking back at it, like, I I didn't really think, like, I just kind of brushed it off at the time, but then looking back, it was just kind of like, ah, okay, (laughs) And again, it's one of those things that you end up saying, it's like, dick or racist? I'm not so sure. Maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah, you can be both. The things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, maybe both. It is possible to be both. There are a lot of people who are both. Oh, dear Mm -hmm. God, there are so many people who are both. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just the worst. But, yeah. Um, But, oh, yeah. No, I I also had another question to ask you Mm. um, while we're on the topic of race. How many people randomly touch your hair without asking? Uh, <laughs> well, um, gosh. Uh, I remember, again, one time I was at uni and, you know, just doing my shopping, just at, you know, Sainsbury's, just doing my thing. Um, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, facing the shelf, reaching something from the top shelf. Suddenly I just felt like at that time, like I had kind of like almost waist to butt length kind of length hair. So it's just like this hand reached behind me and just starts touching my hair. And then I'm just, I just turn around. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? And it's, um, luckily they were quite cute about it. But still, it was like this cute little elderly couple like, oh, it's just so lovely. Um, and it was just kind of like, ah, thank you. It's like, oh, yes, like, you know, we had a, you know, I got, um, was it like, 
our friend, I've got a friend and she's got you know, lovely hair like yours. And then like, you know, when it's very long when it's in plaits and it looks so nice. And then when she straightens it, it's so long. And I'm just kind of like, okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> Alrighty then. Wow, that is... Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's been like, you know, similar instances, you know, just kind of going about your day. And then you just like feel a hand and you're just like, oh, to whom does this hand belong? <laughs> but, um, I mean, uh, if it's like my friends or something like that, because I'm very touchy feely with my friends, like when we're very touchy feely with each other and, and that's all fine. Um, like, I touch their hair, they touch my hair, it's all just a big hair-touching frenzy, and it's wonderful. But, um, just as a rando, like, what? <laughs> what? Like, uh, uh, like, would you do, like, if you saw, like, you know, a blonde woman you know in the shop just doing that like a white blonde woman with long waist length hair would you just randomly go up to her and start touching her hair i don't think you would but i don't know for some reason when it comes to black people and hair especially it's i don't know it's like it's almost it becomes like this big thing like you know whatever you choose to do with your hair or whatever you know, you've got going on, like, you know, say if, you know, Amy from accounting, you know, decides to dye her hair pink one day, and then, you know, the next day she'll, you know, shave it off or whatever, you know, people be like, okay, cool, whatever. But then if I was to do the same, like, it would get talked about for so long. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a funky one, that one. Yeah, no, it's... it's I'm, I'm just still getting over the whole fact that just an elderly <laughs> couple just ended up just <laughs> thinking, yep, nope, let's just check it out. Let's just mm. see what's happening here because, mm. wow. But no, um, no, I, I used to have those experiences, especially when I had dreadlocks. I, I feel so mm. happy to be bald now because I don't have to worry about such things. But you would get, you know, um, people just randomly coming and just touching my hair. Or or even worse, uh, people assuming things due to the dreadlocks. Like this uh, one time, I'm embarrassed. Do you smoke weed? Oh, I, I, I wish that was the assumptions. It's just random people asking me for a drug oh. paraphernalia. I'm like, I'm just walking what? in town. What is wrong with you? Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. It is just so weird, but it's. Mm. Or try being a black person, and you happen to be sitting in first class. Like you bought yourself a first class ticket because you want a seat. You want that guaranteed seat. And then you go and you sit in first class, and then you get this person just randomly come up to you. Sorry, excuse me, you do realise this is first class, right? Yes. Oh, just just, just wanted to, to check if, if you are aware, you know, because, you know, it, it is first class. Okay. Um, what, what makes you think that I shouldn't be here? Huh? And then they start to backpedal. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, well, I mean, oh, no. But, uh, 
just like, uh, yeah, okay, please, please just leave me alone. I was, I was reading my book. You've distracted me. Gosh. Yeah, but you see, that's not even one of the worst ones, though. But the worst ones are the ones who, who, when you have people like in America, who end up weaponizing the police against black people, mm-hmm. like Amy Cooper, who was told mm-hmm. by Chris Cooper. Really, that's the same last name. There's a black man. He's threatening me and my dog. Oh my god, I'm so scared. He's threatening my life. How is yes. a bird watcher threatening your life? Come on now. Because Come he on. just told you your dog needs to be on a leash, which is as exactly. per the rules stated by the park. But no, you're going mm-hmm. to try to call the police and say that he's threatening. I mean, heavens mm-hmm. fortend. Seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, no, no, no. She, 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 she was just a like despicable human being who might have ended up causing mm-hmm. someone's life to end up being well ended. Um, what was still on this that topic? That is a classic exp- example of weaponizing one's whiteness. Because Indeed. Under normal circumstances, I mean, like, he just happened, like, you know, James Cooper just had, so happened to be quite, you know, lucky at that time that, you know, he didn't face the same fate as many others. But, yeah. you know, luck, yeah. But un, under so many circumstances, stuff like that has happened. And she was well aware. She knew exactly what she was doing. Oh, she yeah. knew what the consequences like. Okay, you're a black man. I'm a white woman. If you don't listen to me and do exactly what I tell you to do and do what I want you to do, well, you're going to face the consequences. Don't you? Who do you think you are? You know that that's basically the the subtext. Like you know, like you know, yeah. I I'm the authority here, not you. You don't get to tell me what to do, and that kind of hubris. That's that's not scary. okay. Yeah, it is it's scary. scary. It's terrifying. It is scary, and mm-hmm. we have to live with this. Um, like for, for for yeah, we just have to live with this. I mean, in the UK, it's not as bad as in America, but then in the UK, mm. we have a different problem, which you kind of hinted at. Well, you didn't even hint mm. at. It's just my brain making connections. Mm. The issue of the disparity in wealth, especially in places like London, because you get, isn't, wasn't like Greenfield just a stone throw away from like a very prominent affluent area. And you keep on mm-hmm. having this happen a lot of times in London where it's just people who are not being looked after, who end up basically, most of the times end up being minorities, but then also white people are involved in that. Being so close to people who have so much money, they basically have empty houses in London, which Mm -hmm. is just an affront, really, because Mm -hmm. London properties ain't cheap to begin with, and then you just Mm -hmm. have an empty house there. But that's what's driving the prices up. That's, you know, by all these overseas oligarchs, like, buying up all this these properties that they're not even living in anyway. And it's just kind of like... Uh, and then there's, like, people who need housing. So it just kind of, like, it's the supply-demand kind of thing, you know. They've been, you know, taking up all the supply, so they're causing more of a demand. And... That's kind of partly why we're in this hot mess. Yep, and it sucks, but mm-hmm. hopefully things get better with time. I can say hopefully, but we will have to wait and see, really. Yeah, I mean, it's all a big work in progress, really. There's, I mean, we've come quite far as a society, but there is still a whole lot that needs to be done. And um, back to what you were saying about, like, you know, properties in London and like you know a lot of the poor and slum areas they kind of tend to be more 
populated like by black people, well, not black people, but you know, my you know, quote unquote minority races, and um, yeah, it's well, again, that that all comes down to like a lot of the laws that were um, in place like way back when, or not even that way back when. I think it was like as recent as the seventies or something, and um, you know. My, you know, minority races, especially black people, weren't allowed to move into certain areas. And that's how, like, you know, they'll, you know, do deliberate, very deliberate things like, you know, not not show, like, you know, when they're, you know, the, you know, not developers, but like, you know, the people who show you around the properties or whatever, estate agents. Estate that's agents, it. yeah. Yeah, when they're, you know, showing you around all the various properties, they'll deliberately take black people to certain areas and, you know, white to other areas and they'll just make sure that they give the, you know, people of darker complexions um, something that wasn't that is you know kind of not not right it's kind of squalid like though I remember one time I was talking to someone in school and I think yeah I, I knew what you know my folks are paying for rent in our area and then she told me what she was paying like her folks were paying for their rent and it was cheaper and it was in a, in a much nicer area it was a much nicer house whereas I don't know, like the where I was, it was wasn't the best part of of the area, and it was you know the prices had been hiked up, and you were pay, basically paying more for something that we should have been paying way less for, um, and that kind of thing is common, you know that kind of thing did start riots again, like you know what you know back in again I think roughly about the seventies as well. Um, there's a book that covers it very, 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 very well. Um, it's called Why I Stopped Talking to White People About Race. So good. If if any of you get a chance to read it, please read it. But yeah, it covers that topic as well. Um, and, you know, it's she references it and there's data backed up to prove it all as well. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, um, it's interesting that you mentioned well with housing and everything else because I just recalled this documentary that I watched by Adam Curtis mm. uh, called um, Can't Get You Out of My Head. My brother suggested it. It's a six-part uh, docu-series on BBC iPlay, which every every part is like an hour long. <clears throat> but they end up basically having a look at um, the Windrush generation and when they ended up getting here. And mm. um, I learned a lot of things that I didn't know about the <clears throat> Windrush generation. But one of the things he ends up looking at is how... Um, so there was this guy, and I've forgotten his name, but he was, in essence, a slumlord who was, well, basically um, extorting mm. black people. They, like The people would come from the Caribbeans and he would give them rent, but the, he would give them housing, but then he would end up extorting them if they were not paying on time. And he was just basically running mm-hmm. uh, questionable housing standards, which had, well, uh, people from minority groups as well as prostitution happening and everything else. And this guy who ended up being called Michael X, who... Mm. 
I sigh because I say at the at the moment he was trying to become well much more like a British version of Malcolm X and he he did have well was working towards um pushing the fight for well equality for black people but then he lost his way and got into drugs and started doing mm-hmm. some criminality in, in Jamaica if I'm not mistaken but I'm getting sidetracked so at the point in time mm-hmm. when he was working for this guy's enforce he ended up realizing the weird dualistic nature of things that the British press um, demonized the slumlord and saying that he's doing all of these things, he's doing all of those things. But then the guy, Michael, also saying, yeah, but at least he's giving black people housing. You guys won't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that was a huge thing. Like, you know, they got all these people to from the Caribbean, from the Commonwealth nations to come over and to rebuild the country after the war. But then you don't want to house or feed or you know give up you know the same kind of opportunities to the to these people who have basically saved your asses and yeah that's that's not cool yeah actually another um book that talks about the whole windrush thing as well um it's called small island um it's by andrea levy and that covers it, that goes in depth with, you know, how things were for, you know, Caribbean citizens who had come over to the UK. And you've got to remember, at that time, Caribbean was a Commonwealth nature, well, nation. Um, and, you know, Jamaica and like a lot of the other Caribbean islands that I can't name right now, um, it was basically Britain, but overseas. So in Jamaica, you know, my parents and grandparents, they grew up singing the British National Anthem. You know, they had basically British rights. They were taught about the Queen. They were taught about the royal family. They were taught Britishness and British ways of life and, you know, that kind of thing. So, And, you know, they were taught that, you know... England is the motherland, is the mother nation, and, you know, your fealty is with England and all of that kind of thing. So you, you grow, grew up very British, Britishized or whatever. And then when, you know, you come over to England expecting one thing, but it, it turns out to be something quite different, unfortunately, um, or how, how it would have been back then, especially. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, things are changing. Th- the things I keep on feel like a broken record. It's just like things are changing, mm. things are getting better. But you know, mm. we need to also accept that things before were not good. Like, oh, it, yeah. it, you you end up having people who, in essence, have this mythologized, um, rose tinted way of looking back at, you know, the world. And it wasn't that great. Everyone's like, oh yeah, things are so much better back in the days. Or, you know, oh yes, back in my days, and we used to do this, that and the other. And it's just like, okay, stop, stop making it out. Like it was so wonderful. It wasn't. Maybe it would have been, you know, for people who looked like you. But it definitely wouldn't have been for people who looked like me. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you just reminded me of, and I'm going to use this to segue into me asking about the, 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 the nerdy aspects of things, because we will spend probably like four hours just speaking about this topic, but I need to Ooh. condense the podcast for people. Otherwise, That's yeah. Fine. So, um, talking about, um, as I saying, people and their view of the past, uh, there's this quote from Captain America Winter Soldier, which I like which is the mm-hmm. funniest way of expressing this. So I've forgotten who's speaking. I think it's um, Nick Fury who's speaking to Cap, and he says, uh, things must have been better back in your day. And then Cap is like, well, uh, food's nice nowadays. We used to have to boil everything back then. Uh, polio is gone, so that's good. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Oh, but then you've got those stupid anti-vaxxers who are basically bringing it back, so... Yay! We're uh, bringing polio back. We're bringing polio back. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> no, no, we don't want polio. Vaccinate your children, damn it! <laughs> yes, please. The, the problem with me is, as soon as people sing, I start singing along, oh, and yeah. then we make a song, and now we have we're bringing polio back as a song. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So, no, now we'll get into, to, like, the part, which is... So, as I say, we're going to discuss nerdy and geeky things. What nerdy, geeky stuff have you been up to? Hmm. What have I been doing? Um, I, I love getting into kind of YouTube rabbit holes. Um, <laughs> random science and historical things. Um... Simon and I um, have not not Simon Garrett. Uh, anyway, edit that bit out. Woo! Anyway, so yeah, people Simon might be confused. I, uh, yes. So we've. Uh, I'm just going to say, right. So we've uh, recently been getting into documentaries about Komodo dragons. I don't know why. They're really interesting. Really, really scary. Those things can kill you, but they, I, I don't know. I just find them beautiful. But yeah, like uh, how these divers, um, these deep sea divers off the coast of Bali, they kind of um, got lost while the, I think it, um, it was a storm or something. I can't remember how they got off track, but they got off track. And then they ended up, you know, spotting land at last after being stranded in the ocean for ages. And, um, you know, swam to that thinking, okay, this is great. We're going to be safe. Nope. That is an island full of about 1,600 and odd kimono dragons. And they were just basically, you know, whilst trying to survive themselves, you know, trying to keep themselves alive, trying to like fend off these kimono dragons, um, I don't know why I ended up there. I really don't. But there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, like random historical stuff and science stuff as well. Like, you know, I love watching the Crash Course series with um, John and Hank Green. Oh, yeah. Um, SciShow. Sam O'Nella Academy. Like, where has Sam O'Nella gone? Like, why isn't he making more stuff? I mean, like, you know, fair enough if he's got a job and wants to do other things and stuff. You know, you, you do you, Samonella, but just know we miss you. I miss you. 
Oh. So if you felt like coming back, come back. But um, I digress. Uh, who else? Um, yeah, lots of like random history shows, like Name Explain, where it like tells you the meanings behind a lot of the names that we see, or like the names that we have. Like you know, how did Hello come into existence, for example, or you know stuff like that. Um, what else? There's been lots of stuff like that, really. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> How about you? Uh, with me, there's two main things um, that mm-hmm. I have been enjoying that are quite nerdy. Um, we'll start off with the main one, which is slowly mm-hmm. overtaking my life, uh, coding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've started recently mm-hmm. now uh, tweaking with GitHub, which I'm considering magic because hey. I... I understand how it works. I just think it's just an amazing tool, especially when mm. you link to the terminal and you're able to, well, fork repos and then basically clone repos and then you're just mm. basically doing the work there and then you put it back in the branch and everything else like that, either the main branch or your own branch. It's just kind of like magic. It, I, I, I get it, but it's still just like, this is amazing. This is amazing. That's fantastic. But, yeah. But but the other thing that has been taking up a lot of my nights, unfortunately, and maybe has made me not sleep as much as I should, is... Um, so, I have a subscription to Marvel Ultimate, which is the uh, app where you can, well, read books, because um, we have to support the arts, and mm-hmm. I might as well pay for the books if I can get, like, a whole repository of them. Uh, there's this book that came out... Uh, Oh, sorry, give me one second. It's okay. Oh, let's see. I'm just no, going. Uh, yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll cuss at the moment. Uh, hello. Sorry hello. about that. No, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. So, um, as I was saying, uh, basically, um, there we go, there we go. With, um, with the repository that you have, there's this book that came out on 2018, but it's still ongoing, and it's called Immortal Hulk. It, okay. It's basically the Hulk in a David Cronenberg-inspired horror book. Yes, it's got body horror, it's got just a questioning of the nature of the Hulk and his other identities as a Hulk because he has dissociative identities to order. So each Hulk is a different personality within him. It looks at the past trauma that ended up establishing all of these. It looks at this basically like, as they end up saying, uh, the flip side of God, like God's Hulk in this dimension called Below, and it's the one below who's trying to use all people who have gamma radiation for him to come to Earth and then establish hell, and so Hulk is involved in that as well, and it is just amazing, and all of this stuff is happening, and then on top of that, it also just looks at the nature of death, because every person who's been a Hulk before, due to well, them having the connection to the green door, they can't die. They just come back to life if you've actually still got gamma in you. So that is also a thing. Wow. And then on top of that, at some point, Hulk ends up saying, uh, humans are kind of messing up the whole world due to rampant capitalism that is just slowly degrading the world itself. I'm going to become a eco-anarchist who is extreme and trying to destabilize companies that are messing up the world. Wow. It is a ridiculously good book. Okay, that sounds incredible. It is so good that whenever I see other people reviewing it on YouTube, they're like, it's good. 
how did they get away with making this a marvel and somebody let them do this? Because it is ridiculously good. It's like part yeah. horror, part like the sci-fi, but also also how kiss trans rights. Because yeah. Hey, they also put that in there. That's great. Because this book that's is just brilliant. that amazing. Good this book is just so good. I love Immortal Hulk so much because it is just amazing writing and one of the things that I like when it comes to comic books, and somebody has um, mm-hmm. spoken about this, that uh, with comic books, you get two kinds of people who read them most of the times. So you get the people who like the action bits, and then mm-hmm. you like you have the people who like the story. And to emphasize this, yeah. for me, it was uh, like they're, they're in disguise and not even in their costumes. They're wearing disguise because they're kind of known, but it's Mr. Fantastic and Daredevil playing chess while debating the nature of God. Wow. Because Matt Murdock is a devout Catholic and, well, Reed Richards is a scientist who has traveled to other dimensions. The actual conversation itself is brilliant. It is... when you get sounds insane. Yeah. With comic books, when you get somebody who knows how to write good characters, you can get some of Mm. the best mind-blowing stuff that you can find. And you're like, what? That is amazing. Oh wow! Yeah, it is. Just oh, so talking good. about like good writing and so on. Um, I fairly recently got into Attack on Titan Finally. and then binged the whole lot in about two or three days, and I was just like, "Damn!" And then um, when the new series came out, I was just kind of like, "Right, okay, so what we're gonna do is we're not gonna watch it each week." Because that's torture, waiting yep. like an entire week to find out what happens next. No, thank you very much. No, we're going to wait. It's going to be an end of the month treat. So at the end of each month, on the weekend, we're going to chill and we're going to smash through like the month's worth of episodes of Attack on Titan. Because, my God. It is oh such my a good show. Oh, wow. I mean, I heard good things about it, but I never really, I just thought, okay, whatever. And then I actually watched it. I was just kind of like, what? Oh my God, this is great. <laughs> it is such a good show. And uh, please don't spoil anything. I'm not on the la- latest season yet because I'm waiting until oh, it's fine. all out and then I'm just going to binge everything. But uh, okay, fair enough. It is good stuff. Ooh, it is. Way, way bien. Yes. And so, right. with this, we now approach the end of our podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, so uh, before we go, uh, do you have anything to plug? Uh, uh, well, other than Lulu, who I mentioned earlier, because she's an incredible queen and I love her. Um, whom else? Oh, yes, uh, Simon Long. He's a... Uh, well, his band are going to be releasing some really cool stuff very soon. So do keep an ear to the ground for like any of the stuff that he's going to be posting, especially music wise relating to his band. Also his band are going to be changing. Actually, I'm not going to say anything. That's not for me to say. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, that was an almost whoopsie, but I cut myself. I cut myself back. Oh yes. But, um, (laughs) Um, but yeah, yeah. Check, um, keep an ear to the ground for for him and uh, for his stuff because um, I've been listening to it and it sounds so good. Also, I'm on it. So, 
So like a, that's a self plug there as well. Maybe I'm, I'm just doing it a little bit, but still, you know, maybe maybe a little bit more than a little bit, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Your girl Rania, your favorite panda, is is doing a little bit of a thing on on some metal, you know. Just gonna give it a give it a give it a spin, as you would do. Yeah, but other than that, I can't really think of any more things to plug. Other than your lovely selves and this wonderful podcast here. <laughs> Thank you very much. And with that, <laughs> I will now ask you if you have any kind words for the listeners before we head off. Mm, yeah, just like, you know, during this lockdown, it has been tough. So, you know, just keep being kind to yourselves. You know, do things that make you happy and that keep you sane and all of this, you know. If it's video chatting a friend or, you know, binge watching your favorite TV shows or, you know, eating your favorite cake, do what you need to do to keep yourself as, you know, centered and as sane as possible. And, you know, we've all been experiencing this in in very different ways. So, you know, yeah, try not to beat yourself up. And also, like, you know, everyday people, like, you know, this might not have affected you quite as badly as others. Like, say, the lockdown, you know, like I say, if you're a particularly introverted person and then the lockdowns happened and then you no longer feel that pressure or stress to kind of, like, you know, go out every minute. And if if you feel like it's helped you, like, you know, taking that step back, like, that's great too. Or, you know... If, you know, you're a small company and you find, like, you know, for example, a friend of mine works for, like, a very small bike company and when the first lockdown was announced, they thought they were going to go bust and they thought, okay, well, this is it. But then they ended up making more than they ever did because everyone wanted to buy bikes to, to go to various, you know, to keep fit. And, you know you don't necessarily have to be in like a big company or, or, or any kind of company or whatever. But, you know, if, if you feel like this whole stepping back of stuff has helped you and you feel like it's actually done you good, don't feel guilty about it. Don't beat yourself up about it or anything like that. Enjoy the fact that, you know, it's helped you step back and heal and do better than you previously have been. But saying that, big companies who have been raking it in and profiting from people's misfortune, that does not apply to you. So, Mr. Bezos, <laughs> this does not apply to you, okay? <laughs> Good old Jeff. <laughs> I say that with my Audible subscription. But still, still, you know, I, st- I stand by what I said. Indeed. Yeah. And I will echo what Rania is saying, and I will also say that, um, please look after yourselves, don't be too hard on yourselves, it's been a very weird year, and so Mm -hmm. the fact that we've made it and the fact that we're still here is something that we should all be applauding and be happy about, and check up on each other, look after each other. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yes. And And ask for help when you need it, you know. Yes, that, that. You know, as the Blackstone Cherry song goes... If you're going through hell and high water, please don't do it alone. 
Indeed, yeah. Ask for help, reach out, because mm-hmm. there are people out there who will be willing to help. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. And so on that note, we thank you all for being with us at this slightly delayed podcast episode that's been <laughs> recorded on so many takes and I will oh, edit mate. it so that th- that's the thing now I'm saying this no one people will start wondering it's like so he's saying he had to edit this a lot which were the edits it's like ha, now you have to find out because I've basically been recording for like three different days now so yeah, find yeah. it out <laughs> yes and on that I say um, thank you very much for listening to us uh, I hope that you have an amazing rest of the week Because these are now Yay. dropping on Mondays And we will see you guys later Bye 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 <laughs>